Well, you're here this morning to hear the Word of God, yes? If you came here to hear jokes, you're in the wrong place. If you came here to hear stories, you're in the wrong place. Go to a library, take out a book, let somebody read it to you. If you came here to hear about the world's problems and so on, go and ask the politicians. They can tell you. So if you come here this morning to hear about the Word of God, you've come to the right place. Amen? And that's what we want to hear about. I want to talk to you this morning as we continue our study through the the, the book of the Gospel of John. We come to chapter 3 this morning and I want to talk to you about a question that a man asked Jesus. And if you think about the question, it's the same question that people ask today if you talk to them about what he's going to talk to Jesus about. And that is being born again. Do you know what born again means? Do you truly know what born again means? If somebody explains to you the whole uh, uh, aspect of being born again, born from above, are you also going to ask like this man, how can these things be? That's what a lot of people ask. If you start talking about Jesus and what He's done for you, they go, how can these things be? It's impossible. If you start talking to them about the miracles that He did in your life, the small things that count, they go, how can it be? How can it be that these things happen? They just don't know. And that's the same today. I can start here and tell you about testimony after testimony about the miracles that the Lord did in my life. And you will say, how can it be? How can these things be? The first time when I got up in South Africa and Clarksville to preach behind the pulpit, some of my old schoolmates were sitting in the crowd. And they turned to each other and said, how can it be that he's up there? You see, there are certain things which is way and beyond our natural thinking. Our mind. And that is called spiritual. And and Paul says, spiritual things are determined by spiritual things. Yes. The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. And we encounter such a man this morning when we're going to look at the man called Nicodemus. But before we go there, and as as you know, I always like to go on a rabbit trail before I get to the Word. I want to take you to a scripture verse this morning in Daniel chapter 11. I've got it up there for you. You'll also notice that that is the scripture verse which is on your leaflet that we give out, on your handouts. And that's a scripture verse that I really love. It's one of my favorite scripture verses in the Bible. It's in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. I want, I want you to notice something about this verse. He says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. The covenant, and those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt flat, with flattery. Obviously, he was talking here about Antiochus, and I'm not going to preach that sermon to you. I've done it once in New Zealand, preached through the whole book of Daniel, and that's fantastic reading and preaching. But it's Antiochus who will give them flattery to pull them away from God, to put it in context. But for us this morning, I'll use the word but. But the people who know their God. But the people who know their God. You see, over the last few months since we started the book of John, there was one, only one reason we did that, and that is to know Jesus Christ better. To know Him. We walk with Him, and the Bible says He gave us his experience and example so that we can learn from him. And as we walk with Jesus, we know him better. It's the same in the Old Testament. The old is the new concealed and the new is the old revealed. He says, and those who know their God shall be strong. Strong. Do you want strength? Know your God. It's right there. You don't have to go through a five or six or ten point plan for this. Know your God. He says it there, and they shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Keep that in mind, because there's a fascinating word for those expression there, great exploits. It is the word in Hebrew, Asha. Asha. Now, think about that. What does Asha mean? Asha means to make something recognizable out of a formless mass. 
example, if you've got a pile of wood here and it lies on top of each other and you walk past it, you'll say, well, that is a mass of nothing. It's just a pile of wood. But then Paul is very handy, grabs that pile of wood and he starts timbering on it and he builds a small bird house. What did he do? He ushered something recognizable out of a formless mass. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. In fact, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. He says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He uses a word they call bara. Bara means to call something out of nothing. That's how he made the world. It wasn't a big bang. God called it into existence. It's the word bara. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, he says, And he made man. You know what word is used for that word made there? The word asha. It means that he formed man out of the dust of the earth, a formless mass, and he made something recognizable. Here you sit today. You say, so what is so important? Why do you get so excited in Daniel when you read that word? Because of this. You might look at your life and you might say it is a mess. It is a formless mass. I've got good news for you. Know your God. And guess what will happen? He will give you, He will make you strong and He will make you to carry out great exploits. To make something out of that disaster, out of that formless mass, to make something recognizable. Don't you think the word is neat? You see, before we even got into our study, we've learned something. Know your God. But when I look at the world today, they don't want to know God. Who wants to spend time with God? Come on, be serious about this. There's so many things for us to do as young people. We want to live life, and then when we get 30 and 40 years old, or even like you, Dad, nearly 50, oh, that's when we will come to God and say, whoa, we will make something recognizable out of this. Be careful, you might not live to 50. You see, I'm talking about being born again. We're going to get to Nicodemus in a way, but you need to make something recognizable out of a formless mass, and the only way you're going to do it is to know your God. And then he continues on, and he says, and those people who understand, who understand shall instruct many. Who are you instructing? Are you instructing somebody? My question is then, why aren't you instructing somebody? If you know God, listen to me. When I got saved, the next day I went to my mother-in-law and I wanted to convert her. I wanted to tell the whole world. I, I went to my family and I said, I'm a changed man. I'm, look at this whole mess that was in my life. There's something recognizable now. I wanted to instruct anybody. One of the signs of being born again is the next day you want to tell the whole world. There is not a chair too high or a ladder too high or a building too high that you can get on top and shout it out. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. So if you're not shouting it out anymore, what happened to the flame? Oh, I see this is going to be a serious message this morning. Amen. He says that those of the people who understand, how do you understand God? Well, you walk with Him. If you want to understand me, walk with me. Spend time with me. My wife understands me more than anybody in this room. More than my children, because she spends more time with me than my children or than you. Now, you might look at me and you might say, oh, there's nothing in it. But ask my wife. She said, oh, he, you know, he's got a few things going for him. You spend time with him and you know him. And then he will make you strong and you will carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct. Yet, you know, there's two kinds of people here. The but people and the yet people. The but people and the yet people. Do you see those? The yet people, for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame by captivity and plundering. That is what happens to people who are yoked under the bondage of sin. You ain't seeing it right now because you're still young, but the older you grow, the more it becomes evident. People's bodies even tell them that. 
I'll say that again. People's bodies even tell them that you've lived a life of sin. The yet people and the but people. You see, the but, the, the yet people, they do wickedly against the government and they shall listen to all the corrupt flattery that's going on. They are tossed to and fro, the Bible says, from one stream to another stream. And let me tell you, the spirit of the world has entered into the church and the same thing has happened right in the church. There are in the church today, the but people and the yet people. In the church. To my shame I saw, advertised this last week that a church, you know, I'm not in bashing churches here, they've got uh, Austin Powers for their women's group to come and perform. You see, that's the yet people. They have the naked cowboy performing at the youth show. I think everybody in this room will run away if I just drop my bottom, you know, my top. That's not what we're into, friends. We're into the bad people, but the people who know that God shall be strong. Do you want to be strong? You know your God, and they will carry out great exploits. Now, one of such men that we will read of now about a bad man... But, sharp contrast man is a man he could demons. Let's read about him in John chapter 3. If you want to follow in your Bible, I suggest you do that. If you want to follow on the board, feel free. It says there, And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Why? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Come on, really? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And which is born of flesh is flesh, and which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered him and said to him, How can these things be? That is our topic today. How can these things be? I can't understand it. You got me there, Jesus. You just talked about a birth. How can I, as a, a grown man, go back into my mother and be born? It, it just doesn't make How can it be? And talking about the wind and compare that being born of the Spirit. How? And, and like I say, people today are also perplexed about this. Jesus answered and said to him, and this I find very interesting, he says, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak that what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. You see this title which he used most of himself, the Son of Man. And when you read the Son of Man, you remember He is the link between heaven and earth. That's what He means. He says, no one has gone. And that's why He used it in context. You see, we're starting to know Him better. Verse 14, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. 
Now I want you to listen to this condemnation because it applies to you and to me as well as it applied to what he said there. That the light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. God blesses his public reading of his word. We've got much on the table today to discuss. And it's all talking about being born again. He got Nicodemus there, and Nicodemus said after all of this, how can these things be? I can't understand it. How can it be? You see, we need to look at Nicodemus. And we will find a lot of similarities between Nicodemus and people of today. You see, Nicodemus here, the name Nicodemus was a Greek name, yet he was a Jew. What do I try to say by that? He was growing up in a Greek culture. In this room, there's a lot of people sitting here who grew up in different cultures. And whether you like it or not, your culture has got an impact on your life. Your culture is forming your viewpoint of the world. Your culture is forming your ideas about people. But more so is your culture forming your ideas about spiritual things. Classic example, if you grow up in the Islamic world right now, your viewpoint of Christianity is different than somebody who grew up in a Western world. And I've been told by some people, talking about martyrs, they say it is sometimes easier for somebody growing up in a Muslim world or under Islam to convert to Christianity or to be born again. It's sometimes easier because the West is asleep. The culture is making the people asleep. This boy grew up, his, his parents is in this Greek culture. What was in the culture? Why do I bring this out to you? Because you need to understand how they think in those days. They had the Greek philosophers around. And the Greek philosophers had everything in here. You know, we're going to philosophize about life. We're going to see things. So you need to understand when Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a natural man, he was sincere when he asked these questions. It's easy for us to sit here and go, Nicodemus, come on. Don't you get it? It's so easy for us to get it. He didn't have the Bible. But they are Jesus and the Old Testament. You see, Nicodemus means, Niku means conquest and Demos means people. And his name in itself means victorious amongst his people. And so he was. He was a Pharisee. He was a well-seen man. He was a ruler, they say, of the Jews. So he was part of the Sanhedrin. And he was sitting in that Sanhedrin as a Pharisee and they were very serious of keeping their traditions. We saw that last week, didn't we? And the week before. And a lot of traditions is this beast of killing the church. Tradition is that. It's a slow moving thing, but once it gets momentum, it can keep you away from God. That's tradition. He was part of that. And he was very serious about keeping it. And the Pharisees also believed in high morals and in holiness. In other words, you are now holy, but you become more holier, and you become more holier, and you become more holier. That's what they believed in. And may I say that there's a lot of people in the churches who preaches that. Oh, well, you know what? How long have you been saved? Ah, oh, yeah, not as long as me. I'm a little bit more holier than you. We better be careful and see and learn from Jesus when he deals with this man, with this man Nicodemus. You see, the same question is asked today. And when I look around, I see people like Nicodemus, natural people through, who grew up through their environments and come to Jesus with their mindset and with that. And they don't understand terms like being born again, being sanctified, being justified. So, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Rabbi, we, 
plural. That, that tells me that within that Pharisees, although they were against Jesus, it wasn't the only one. There were a few of them who came together. And they say the same thing. They say, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs. And remember last week I showed you back to chapter 2 that Nicodemus was amongst the crowd who was standing there when Jesus did signs and he believed, but Jesus did not commit him to the crowds because he knew what was in them. But he came by night. Now some say he came because he was afraid. I don't know. You can ask him one day when you're in heaven. But I think he came because Jesus was crowded by day, but he was empty by night, single by night. And he wanted to sit down and talk to the rabbi. He says, we, we know that you're a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs and do these things unless God is with him. And now Jesus does something interesting. He talks to him straight away. He doesn't answer his thing about whether he's from God or not. He says, most assuredly, verily, verily in the King James, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, he changes his question. He says, Nicodemus, the question shouldn't be, am I a teacher from God because of the signs? The question should be, how do I get into the kingdom of God? Look, there's so many debates going on in churches today. Is it baby baptism or is it adult baptism? Look, you can't even go to the debates if you're not born again yet. Is it pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip? You can't even talk about these things if you are not born again. People are trying to get themselves involved in all of these questions and they debate them over and over again. And one question I ask any one of them is, are you born again? Are you going to the kingdom of God? You see, you missed the question, Nicodemus. The question here is, are you saved? And that's the same question I want to ask everyone in this place today. doesn't matter how old you are. Do you know today that you are going to the kingdom of God? Do you know today that you are born again? He turns, he, he cuts right through all of the rhetoric. He comes to it. He says, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That word there, born again, means born from above. Born from above. And now this goes totally against the grain of Nicodemus. Remember, he came out of that culture, the Pharisees, the traditions, the Greek, and he goes totally against what he believed in. Totally. You see, the Jews believed that their whole nation was placed in the kingdom of the Messiah because they were born of Abraham. You remember when they encountered Jesus later on, they say, whoa, our father is Abraham. Do you, do you believe that there's still churches today who baptize people and they say, now you're a child of Abraham. You're okay, mate. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. Jesus comes to him, this man, whose father is Abraham, going back years. He says, you must be born again. There are so many people who say, look, I'm born into a Christian family. My mom sings in the choir. My brother plays in the band of the church and my dad's the pastor. I'm okay because I'm, I'm, I'm born into a Christian family. Listen, that doesn't help you at all. Nothing. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said to him this. Otherwise, Jesus would turn to him and say, look, you're all right because you're, you're, you're a child of Abraham. Don't worry about it. No, no. He grew up with that. The second thing is he, as a Pharisee, believed that they would get there by observing the law. If I'm going to be a very good Pharisee or Jew, I'll get to heaven. I'll get to the kingdom of God. You see, that doesn't help either. You can make your own laws and try to keep them and break them and then you fall down and go, oh, you know, I broke it again. No, no, no. Christ say none of these, but you must be born again. You must be born from above. This is how we get into the kingdom of God or to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus didn't get this. He said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? That is a very good question if you're a natural man. How can it happen? How can I be going back into my mother's womb and be born again? And then 
Jesus gives Nicodemus four illustrations to explain to him to be born again in this chapter. Four. First of all, he explained to him through birth, verse 1 to 7. Then he talked to him about the wind to explain to him, to make it for him understand from verse 8 to 13. Then he talks about the serpent from verse 14 to 18 and the light and the darkness. Four illustrations. Jesus says, look, I'm here. I'll tell you. I'll take you through this. And I'm going to explain it to you. So from verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, you must be born again. Otherwise you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can this happen? Now look at the next. He says, he says can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Can he? Come on, you, are, you know the, the, the answer to that question. No, you can't. But Jesus answered. He says to him again, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that you must be born again. Now let me just say today that I'm not proclaiming to be a theologian. And I'm not trying to solve all of the things about Bible, but these words here, water and spirit, is maybe one of the most discussed verses or or words in the Bible. Because they say, what does it mean to be born of water and be born of the Spirit? It's the most debated passage. What does it mean? Because some say, this is the baptism. This is the water baptism. So, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is, you need to be baptized and then the Spirit baptizes you. And they hold on to that. You see, and they can pull out a lot of scriptures out of the Bible and say, that is it, truly it's the baptism. But there's a lot of questions against that theory. There's a lot of things that you can ask against that. What about the man hanging next to Jesus on the cross? Now, I'm not here to go into each one of those, because there's a second group who says, no, 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 that is not the baptism, and they had debates around this, sitting uh, you know, in front and, and discussing this, these theologians, and they say, this is the Word. He talks about the Word here, the, the Bible, the Word of God, because John chapter 15, verse 3 says that you are clean through the Word. The Word is surely the water he's talking about here. Now, if those other beliefs you hold on to, hold on to those beliefs. But I want to suggest to you a third one here. I want to suggest this morning that when he was talking about that, that he was actually pointing and referring to a natural birth. He says, unless you are born of water, which if we go, and I'm not going to go into graphical detail of that, but if you look at a woman who is pregnant within, that child is within water. And you know before a child is born, the water breaks. I don't go into all of that. But this year he talks about being born in a natural birth because he puts the two against each other. And what I want to do, and the reason why I want to go on that, is I want to do conductive study out of this. So in other words, we're not reading meaning into the word, we're going to pull it from the word. Because the very next verse he says, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, that which is born of flesh, of flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So he refers to a natural birth and he refers to a spiritual birth here. So he's explaining it to him, trying to make him understand that as you had a natural birth, there is also a spiritual birth that needs to take place. Natural birth is not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. But the spiritual birth is to be born from above. He says, do not marvel that I say to you that you must be born again. You see, there's a lot of similarities if you look at these two births, a natural and a spiritual birth. With a natural birth, you need two parents. And likewise, in the spiritual birth, there is two ingredients to a spiritual birth. Did you know that? The first one is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. John chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus answered and He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual birth. 
John chapter 1 verse 12, he says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born, listen to this, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, God initiates this through the Spirit. So the first ingredient of a of a, a spiritual birth is the Spirit of God. The second one is the Word of God. The Word of God. James chapter 1 verse 17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow of turning. Of His own will He brought us forth. Of His own will He brought us forth by the Word of truth. The word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Remember, Nicodemus is sitting there, he doesn't understand this, and Jesus now explains to him that this is like a natural birth, it's a spiritual birth. There's two aspects of this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, there's the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. There is that phrase again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. How? How? Through the Word. We saw that is the Word of truth. Here he says, through the Word of God. So we are born through the Spirit and the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is grass, as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You see, this is how it works. The Spirit of God takes the word of God and imparts the life of God in you. So the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and imparts the life of God in you. And I've experienced this in my life. I grew up in a family which went to a church which is a tradition. I was lost. Up to the age of 19, 20 years old, if anything happened to me, I would have gone straight to hell, though my parents were sitting in a church. But all along, in hindsight I saw this now, but all along the Lord had His hand upon me and there were times when my friends who wasn't in the same church, they were in a Pentecostal church, all along when I was at school and mixing with them, there was something that was stucking on my heart. There was something interesting about these other children. All along. You see, that's the Spirit of God. Jesus is going to say that Spirit is like the wind. It blows when it wants to blow. Sometimes it was when I was doing something wrong. And there was the conscience there telling me it's wrong. And then sometimes it was a Christian song I heard. And it was just, you know, beating around. And I knew that I had to do something. I knew something was wrong. That's the Spirit of God. It prompted me. Then one day I was introduced to this church. And as I walked into this church and I sat down, I sat down right at the back so that I could run. Because this was a happy, clappy church. And you see, where I grew up, that wasn't, that wasn't right. So I was sitting at the back there. And for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel. You see, the Word of God. And that pastor didn't even know me. I was sitting there with my lovely wife. She took me to her church. That was a good move, Andre. She took me to her church. And when I sat there, and this preacher started preaching out of the Word of God, he didn't know me at all. I didn't meet him before the time. But every single thing that he preached out of the Word of God was me, was, was all the things I did. You see, the secrets of my heart came to the top. And that cut me to the heart. You see, it's the Spirit of God who takes the Word of God and imparts the life of God. It's not only the Spirit. We don't get saved by experiences. You hear a lot of preaching about it. Oh, you know what? It's too much about the Word. We need to get the experiences to start jumping around and do funny things in church. You don't get saved by that. 
Look, let me tell you these days, you don't even get pulled to the word by that. It pushes you away. But it's the soft call of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I'm talking about because He's here. And then the word of God comes and convicts you. He says to him, Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. And then he goes over to the second one. He says, The wind blows where it wishes to blow. Look, the first one you didn't get, I can see that, but let's talk about the wind. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Is that true? So is everyone who is born in the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from. You can't work it out. It's not mathematics. It's not psychology. Try to take somebody who's just been born again to a, to a psychiatrist. Try to do that. It won't work. Well, it might work the other way around. He might, he might give to this guy the gospel. He says, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. And then, he, you know, he didn't get this. He says, how can these things be? How, how can it be? In fact, there's a scripture this morning when I, when I prayed. I, I got to the scripture. Let me read this to you. Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> Chapter 11. He says, verse 5. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is in the child, who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Listen to this. Jesus sits here with Nicodemus. He says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound but cannot tell it. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Listen, Nicodemus, if you understand and if you read the Old Testament, you would have certainly read this verse in Ecclesiastes and understand what I'm saying. But you see, Isaiah said it, they see but they don't see and they hear but they don't hear. And hopefully this morning you hear to hear. He says, as you do not know what is the way of the wind. This was written in the Old Testament. Or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Don't try to figure out how it works to be born again. Trust in Jesus. Follow him. He, he goes on to say, Nicodemus answered, he says, How can these things be? And Jesus said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know now, now and testify what we've seen, and you do not know nor receive our witness. I've told you the earthly things you do not believe. How would you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? He says, I, I don't get it. You're a teacher. You should know these things. And may I say by now, you and I should know these things as well. He should have studied the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he should have studied Ezekiel chapter 36. You remember what's in Ezekiel 36? He talks about the dry bones. In fact, it's an interesting passage. Let's go there. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 36 because I'm going to show these two things to you. Ezekiel 36. Remember the Spirit and the Word. Those are the two ingredients to be born again. The Spirit and the Word. Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at verse 25. Look at verse 24. I'm going to read the Ezekiel 36 verse 24. He says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out all of the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. See that? And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. That is described in the Old Testament of the new birth. Uh, Nicodemus, I mean, you're a teacher of all of these things and you don't get it. How, how is this? 
You should have known this, Nicodemus. Turn the page to Ezekiel chapter 37. See how this, this flows now in. Verse 1. He says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Remember what I said, there's two ingredients of being born again. The Spirit of the Lord. There's the one. The Spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around him. Behold, there were many all in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. Let me tell you, we are living in a dry world right now. Full of dead bones. And he said to me, now listen to this. Son of man, can these bones live? Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can these things be? He asked this man, he says, can these bones live? And you know what? He can ask the same question back. How can these things be? Look, let's follow it. So I answered, Oh Lord God. Don't you love the O in front of it? Oh Lord God. You know. And he said to me, Do what? Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the what? Come on. The word of the Lord. There's two ingredients in being born again. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. There it's in the Old Testament. Nicodemus, why didn't you get this? But you and I are so privileged today. Right in front of us. In verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord. In verse 4, the Word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. What is born again do to people? They have eternal life. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling of bones came together, bone to bone. You know, I had the privilege of preaching to people and to men's meetings, and man, I, I believe I can hear the rattling of bones when men come to God and women come to God and they are born again. In verse 8 he says, Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, O breath, on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as they commanded me, and breath came to them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, if you want to read it in context. So two things, two ingredients to be born again, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. He says then the serpent. Now Nicodemus says, how can these things be? I can't understand this. Then he thinks, okay, let's go to another Old Testament passage for you to understand. Surely, Nicodemus, you knew about the serpents. The serpents. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have ever eternal life. And then he uses the verse there. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. The most well-known verse of the Bible. The verse that the Jehovah Witnesses love to use because they put in an A there. Oh no, that's verse 1. But this word, verse they, and then I say to them, look, I want to show you verse 17 because you do not believe in the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I want to show you verse 17. It says that you are condemned. They go, how can you say that? You're judging me. I said, no, no, the word judges you because he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him might be saved. But because you don't want to be saved, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God, not an angel of God, the son of God. But he uses the, the serpent, the serpent which we find in Numbers. Go with me this morning to Numbers. Look, you don't have to worry about lunch. We've got soup afterwards, okay? So just relax. 
Numbers chapter 21. Because this is where we pick it up. Look, if you, if you see Jesus mentions something to Nicodemus, you and I have got the privilege. I can say, go back with me. Nicodemus didn't have to scroll with him. He had to have the whole scroll with him. And, and you know, he couldn't walk with all of the scrolls to Jesus that night. Jesus mentioned to him the serpents and he, he wanted to understand that you know already what I'm talking about, Nicodemus. But here we've got the privilege, just to turn quickly back to Numbers chapter 21 verse 4. He says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to uh, go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Very discouraged. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, no, and our soul loaves for worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery snakes, serpents amongst the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses now. This is really interesting, isn't it? Now they complain. Snakes bite them, and all of a sudden they come back now. And they say, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people, for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, one, and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses did it. So let me ask you the question. They didn't get a council together to get antidote for the snake bites, did they? That's what they want to do today. Hey, let's get a few antidotes, you know. Let, let's try this. Or let's build our houses higher. Or let's do this. Or let's do an encampment. Let's burn a fire. Maybe the serpents. No, no. Nothing of man helped. They had to go to God. And the serpents bite them and they died. Let me tell you, there's a serpent who, who has bitten mankind. And everyone who's sitting in this room has been bitten by that serpent. And everyone sitting in this room is deemed to die. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You are already dead. I'm talking spiritually now. Because the snake has bitten you. And it's my task to tell you, listen to me clearly, that if you're dead, there's a second death. The second death will put you into the pool of fire, in the lake of fire, in hell. You don't want to go there. That is why. For those people, they put a serpent on a pole. For us, it's Jesus Christ on the cross. And what did they have to do? Only look at Him. Only look at Him. Now, I want you to think about this. If I've got a, a painful snake bait on my leg, and somebody tell, comes to me and I say, look, where's the medics? Call the medics. Call the ambulance. And somebody says, look, just look at the snake. Or the man on the cross. Do you think that makes sense? You know what I'm going to say? How can these things be? I only have to look at it. Some people will look and say, oh, you know, I don't know. But, you know, it's looking. Because you've got something he can take away and that's your sin. He says, Nicodemus, there's the third one. And then there is the light and darkness. And here lies the problem. He says, this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why would man not come to, to the light? Because they love darkness more than light. And that's the same today. People don't... Well, I've had some young man told me a while ago in New Zealand, he said, I am so close to give my heart to, to the Lord, but I still want to enjoy my life. Do I really have to give this up? And I said, look, what you give up You've got so much more to gain. So much more! Yeah, but I'm still young. I want to live my life. You see, they love darkness more than they love the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Everyone practices evil, hates the light. That's why they hate you. That's why they hate me, because we walk in the light, we proclaim the light. I've got a man on, on, on Facebook, you know, you know that we advertise at church through Facebook, well, I put the sermons on there. Now, for the last f 
five weeks, I've got a man who every time when I put on a sermon, he puts something different on the Church of Satan on there and or, uh, you know, all the rubbish stuff. He, he, he searched for uh, a John Shipman and he found a John who did something wrong. He searched for a John Shipman who did something wrong. I don't know how he put it in the Google search, you know. Maybe John Shipman exposed, I don't know. You know, you can try any one of these things, but he, he got a John Shipman in, in Europe who has been, uh, who's a pedophile and he's waiting for a trial to go to jail. And the man is 53 years old and he's going to jail. And, and he put it on Facebook for the whole, you know, in, in this open group for everybody to see John Shipman's going to jail. And I, and, I, and, I, and I said, you know, shall I respond or what shall I do? And I, and I just typed back there. I, I typed back to this guy and I said, look, wrong country, wrong age. I'm 48 years old. <laughs> but this is the thing, dear friends. They, they love the darkness. And do not shine the torch of the gospel into that darkness. They don't like it. And it's getting worse. And it's going to get even worse. And they will come to you and say, how could these things do? How could this be? I can't understand it. Look, there's four things. The two important things that I want you to leave here with is with a spiritual birth, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And there's four illustrations that he gave Nicodemus. I want to end by asking you, where are you this morning? If Jesus sits here this morning and he looks at you, just the two of you, and you come to him and you say, Teacher, I know you're of God. And he says, you must be born again. What's your answer going to be? What's your answer going to be? The Spirit of God is here this morning. He's already bringing you to a point for you to listen to the Word of God. So if you listen to the Word of God, then come so that He can impart into you the life of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word, Lord. I, I know, Father, this, this passage, Father, and this topic that I'm talking about is much, much bigger than I've tried to do this morning. And Father, I've, I've tried my best to put it in a way for these people to understand practically. But I'm going to ask you and I'm going to trust on the Holy Spirit, Lord, to do as the Word says, Lord, that the Spirit will do. He will convict. And Father, He will teach. And He will show. And I pray that now. Father, for people who listen to this message, maybe online and offline, if there's any person sitting out there, Father, who's going to hear these words, that this is the most important words they'll hear, that you must be born again. You must be born from above. If you're not born from above or born again, there is no way that you can enter the kingdom of God. And Father, this is serious. And, and I just pray, Lord, that somehow you will use your Holy Spirit to make these words, how, how heavy it is, Father, to make them understandable in the people's hearts. Through your Spirit and through your Word, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.